Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. Well, friends, we are starting a brand new series this month, and um, it's called Are We There Yet? And so what we're going to be looking at is, uh, just get my computer up and running here. There we are. What we're going to be looking at is a series this month of just if we're getting closer to the return of Jesus, how are we to live? And that's really what we're going to focus on. We're not going to look at the different theories of when Jesus comes back. The Bible's very clear. He is coming back. He's coming back. The Bible said that every eye will be able to see him. And friends, that is absolutely possible. If you've watched news, you can watch news on a variety of of TV channels, on your smartphone, on your watch, you can watch live TV. And when world events are happening, uh, most of the channels of the world switch to that live event. And so friends, I can just imagine that the return of Jesus, which will be taking place in Jerusalem, probably from the very Mount of Olives, uh, just to the, to the south of, of the city of Jerusalem where he ascended. And the angel said in the same way he went up, he's going to be coming down. And so, friends, I can just imagine that BBC World News and CBC in Toronto and CNN in the States and ABC News and all the news outlets of the world are going to have their camera crews that happen to be almost every single uh, television network in the world has a camera crew in Jerusalem. And I can just imagine that we're all going to see Jesus returning. Anyways, the scriptures have a lot of passages about the return of Jesus. And much of Paul's writing, much of Jesus, uh, his sermons, his, uh, he had a couple large sermons, Matthew 24, 25, about his return, when it's going to happen. And more importantly, how do we live? And so that's what we're going to be focusing, friends, on for this series is how do we live if, this, if we're correct, that we're getting close. And so our sermon series for the whole month is, Are We There Yet? And that's what I'm calling my talk today as well. This year, we have a theme, and it's called The Awakening, and our key verses is from Romans 13. You know it is a strategic hour in human history. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Night is dissolving away. A new day of destiny dawns. And friends, I love that passage. It's, uh, it's a wake-up call for us, a literal wake-up call that the days are winding down for when Jesus is going to return. And those of you that are younger adults, I know that, you know, you're not really thrilled to be talking about uh, the end of the world because you, you got your life ahead of you. Uh, friends, can I just say, for, for someone who's getting older, uh, I have a birthday tomorrow. I turn 64 tomorrow. No gifts. Thank you. Uh, but when you get older, friends, you begin to think about eternity because you realize that you're closer to eternity than to having a long life on planet Earth. And so much of my focus uh, really has been about what am I going to leave behind? What kind of values do I want to be instilling with my sons, my daughters-in-law, my grandkids? How do I want my neighbors to, to look at me and think about me? And legacy is a, is a big part of people who are getting older. And so, friends, those, whether you're younger or older, the truth is that Jesus is coming back. No question about that. He is coming back. And if the Bible says to get ready because we don't know the day or the hour, 
then we need to get ready. We need to do the things. And so, again, that's what our theme is this, this month. So if you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're just going to go through this passage, and I'm going to have a couple comments about the negatives that Paul is talking about as he writes to Timothy. And if you remember, Timothy is the pastor of the church in Ephesus. He's a younger guy. We don't know his exact age, 20s, 30s. But Ephesus is the largest Christian church. It, it grows to be approximately 50,000 people, the Bible scholars say, within a generation. And this church plant that starts with nobody goes to being a dominant, dominant church and potentially half of the city of Ephesus, which was marked around 100,000 people. Uh, half of those people are part of this church. And this young protege of Paul's named Timothy is the leader. And Paul writes two books directly to him and then he writes one general book to the church. And when Paul's writing to Timothy, he's really helping him as a young pastor, a young leader to say, here's how you live, here's what you do, here's what you don't do. And in this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he's helping him to get ready for difficult times. And so we're just going to pick up the passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. And the first two verses talk about how our culture in the last days becomes selfish. So look at these words. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves. Friends, I have never seen more selfie sticks in my life than when you go to just walk around. You go, especially go to a tourist place and selfie sticks are everywhere. When did we become so preoccupied with taking pictures of ourselves? And here it is, first on the list of Paul's things of the end times coming, selfie sticks. Maybe not selfie sticks, but taking pictures of yourself. Self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things and they will strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. It, this, we're talking about selfishness people here. And they will be ungrateful and ungodly. The next two verses talk about <coughs> our culture gets mean-spirited. And I think you just have to realize that that's what's going on today. When you, when you have an opinion on Facebook, friends, oh my goodness, God give you patience if you put an opinion on social media. You're going to have people that you thought were good friends of yours tear you apart. You're going to have their friends who are watching their posts tear you apart even more viciously. They don't know you, and so they're just in attack mode. Friends, I can remember a couple years ago, I posted on, on a website, and there was a statement that was against Christian faith. It was a, a statement, uh, really it was against the statement of uh, Chick-fil-A and their stance for godliness, their stance for family. That was the, the position they were talking about. They're closed on Sundays, and it's a day, of, uh, a day for families, for their staff to be with their families. Christians know that it's also a day that the owners were honoring the Lord by doing that. And it was all these you know, negative things, and I just put something positive. And I was accused of all sorts of incredible things, and it was like, where did people come from to say that? And yet, friends, that's our culture. That's our society. And Paul says this. Look at verses 3 and 4. People are going to be mean-spirited in the last days. They will be, people will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. 
Slaves, thank you. Thank you. Slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving God. And friends, I think we just look around and we say, that's happening. And then the next three verses, Paul talks about that in our last days, our culture becomes godless. And friends, can I just say, uh, I heard a, a friend speak uh, this past week. There was a little debate. His name's Andrew Brunson. And Andrew is a former Partners in Harvest pastor connected with Catch the Fire Toronto and, and all of our churches around the world. And he's an American. He's a pastor in Turkey. And uh, during the, uh, the, the supposed uh, coup that took place a couple of years, Andrew was arrested and charged with treason. He was charged with being a terrorist. And really, he was being held in, in uh, a Turkish jail for a trade with a Muslim cleric that the government felt were behind this coup. And so they're looking for a trade. And here's Andrew, just an innocent pastor that loves people, caring for people, and he's in jail. And this past week, I heard an interview with him, and he was just talking about uh, that our world, especially what used to be Christian-ish countries like Canada, like the USA, like Britain, that were Christian at one point. Our laws were based on the scriptures. Our laws were based on the Ten Commandments. And Andrew was saying, we've gone from a godly society to a, a post Christian world, and he said that we're now in an anti-Christian world. And friends, I think that that's true. As I was driving here today, listening to the news on the radio, and uh, one of my friends, Michael, who's from B'nai B'rith, and he's an advocate for everything Jewish, and he was, uh, was having a little interview and was saying that on average, every day, there are seven um, hateful statements against the nation of Jews, or sorry, the nation of Israel and the Jewish people in the, in the Canadian media. Seven statements, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic statements every single day. And as I was thinking about that, it's like, yes, I can hear those from time to time. But friends, I can hear anti-Christian statements all the time, all the time. Television programs, news, it's just prevalent that our society has turned away from God and especially away from Jesus. So here's what Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. In the last days, our culture gets godless. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like this, for they're the ones who worm their way into the hearts of vulnerable women, so we're talking about Christian men now, is what he's saying. They seduce women, spending the night with those who are captured by their lusts and steeped in sin. They are always learning, but never discovering revelation knowledge of truth. And the last couple of verses where Paul's writing to Timothy, he talks about that our culture full out rejects God. History has given us an example of this with the Egyptian sorcerers, Janus and Jambres, who stood against Moses in their arrogance. And so it will be in the last days with those who reject the faith, with their corrupt minds and arrogant hearts, standing against the truth of God. But they will not advance, for everyone will see their madness, 
just as they did with Janus and Jambres. And friends, here's the truth. Our society may think that, that they're winning and those that hate God and hate Jesus may feel that they're winning, but friends, there is a coming day when Jesus is going to show up with power. He's going to show up as the, as the Lion of Judah. And when he roars, it will be a reverberation like never seen before. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. If you remember when, we, when I was here on Resurrection Sunday, I talked about perhaps the greatest power display of God other than the creation when God spoke and boom, it's there. And I don't know if there was a bang or not, but there was all of a sudden things are happening. Creation is happening. And I felt that that day when the angel of the Lord appeared at the grave of Jesus and an earthquake took place. And by the way, I did some research after the fact, and because you can track all the, the earthquakes in the past, and supposedly it was an 8.3 earthquake that day that Jesus was raised from the dead. And an angel, I can almost feel like the angel lands on the ground, boom, 8.3 earthquake, pushes this sealed stone away. And when the angel lands in a boom, it says that the squadron of Roman soldiers are on their backs like dead men. And just the power of an angel landing on the ground and they're out. They're like dead men. Friends, what's it going to be when Jesus roars when he comes back as the line of Judah? And everyone who's thinking they're winning right now, they're going to find out, oh my goodness, I missed it. I should have given my life. I should have pretend, I should have given attention to what Jesus was saying. I should have given attention to what the scriptures were teaching. So friends, that's what Paul's warning Timothy about. And then he goes into the good news of how should we live? And so there's two big points that I want to share. And again, we're going to go through the passages. Uh, friends, I like just teaching the Bible. I, don't, I do like topical talks, but I prefer to just read the passage and have the Bible tell you what the Bible's wanting to tell you rather than me trying to say it. I just try to summarize what the Bible's saying. So here we are, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. And the first big point that Paul is saying about how we live shows up at the beginning. But you, Timothy have closely followed my example and the truth that I've imparted to you. You have modeled your life after the love and the endurance I've, that I've demonstrated in my ministry by not giving up the faith that I have and, and that you now have. What I have hungered for in my life has now become your longing as well. The patience I have with others, you now demonstrate. And the same persecutions and difficulties that I have endured you have also endured. Yes, you know all about what I had to suffer while in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. You're aware of all of the persecution I endured there. Yet the Lord delivered me from every single one of them for all who choose to live godly. Friends, look at this. All who choose to live godly as worshipers of Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus the anointed one, the one who heals us, the one who gives us breakthroughs, that one, if we choose that, here's what Paul says, we will also experience persecution. And so that's the first little thing that we're going to talk about in just a moment. And then the second thing, start in verse 13. But the evil men and sorcerers will progress from bad to worse, deceived and deceiving as they lead people further from the truth. So this next section is about truth. And friends, one of the most goofy things that's happened in our world today is this little phrase, 
my truth. <sighs> Anyone who says my truth, get ready for a lie. I'm just telling you, friends, when I become the, the, the decider of truth, we've gone wrong. We're in the last days, friends, when my truth is more important than the truth. There is, there's no versions of truth, friends. There's one truth, and that's it. One truth. And Paul addresses this with Timothy, and he says, here's how you find the truth. So this, these next few verses are going to talk about that. So let's, let's start over. Uh, verse 13. But evil men and sorcerers will progress from bad to worse, deceived and deceiving as they lead people further from the truth. Yet you must continue to advance in strength with the truth wrapped around your heart. Oh my goodness, wrapped around your heart. Your emotions bound to the truth. And we're going to find out what the truth is in just a moment. Being assured by God that he's the one who has truly taught you all of these things. Remember that you were taught from your childhood. Paul's writing to Timothy and reminding him about his mom and his grandma who were uh, loved the Bible, loved the, the word of God. Remember what you were taught from your childhood, from the Holy Scrolls, which can impart to you wisdom to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. God has transmitted his very substance and into every scripture, Friends, God is in the scriptures, is what the Bible says. For it is God's, uh, the Bible is God-breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take right direction and lead you deeper into the path of, godless, sorry, of godliness. Then, once you know the truth, you will become God's servants. This is now all about your destiny. You'll become God's servants, fully mature and per, and per perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives to you. Amen? So friends, two big wrap-ups right here. How do we live when our society is crumbling around us? Is going from embracers of God and godliness to moving away from God? And the two things are number one, <coughs> give me a second here. Thank you for the water. First thing is we're to be pursuing kingdom values. And as we read the story of Jesus, as we read the Sermon on the Mount, as we read Jesus talking about the kingdom, we begin to understand that these values will sustain us in our life. These are God's values. And as we pursue God's values, we will stay safe, we'll stay secure, we'll stay grounded. And as Paul is writing to Timothy in those first, <coughs> first two verses that I mentioned, He's talking about kingdom values. And the kingdom values that he had there in that passage were love, which is the opposite of self-centeredness, isn't it? Of selfish. Love is for other people. Love, endurance, faith, hunger, patience, suffering, worship. Those are kingdom values, friends. And Paul is saying that as people move away from God, become, our society becomes godless, we push in to these kingdom values. And number two, and there's three different parts to talking about the Bible being truth. And friends, when I say that there's no such thing as, as my truth, well, there can be if my truth is the Bible. And so you'll know, friends, that as I'm writing blogs, in fact, the one that I did this last week about how to find the peace of God, number one in my life 
is I'm not looking to what media says is right. I'm not looking for social trends. I'm looking at what does the Bible say for Steve Long how to live. That's where I find my truth. Everything that I try to do in my life is not based on public opinion. It's based on what does the Bible say. And why do I say that? Because the Bible says that because Paul, the greatest church planter, the greatest missionary that we have of taking the life of Jesus and teaching and and spreading the gospel around the world, known world from there, Paul is basically saying in this passage, friends, if we have truth, if we have God's truth, which is called the Bible, the scriptures, if we have that, we'll be secure, we'll be safe. And number one, he says, it is the role of the Holy Spirit to teach us truth. The Holy Spirit, friends, will never violate what the scriptures say. And so if you're getting a thought sometimes and you're, and, and you're just trying to figure out, well, I'm getting these thoughts. How do I hear from God? How do I know if it's God or if it's Satan? How, how do I figure them out? Easy. Does your thought line up with the word of God? So if you're getting suicidal thoughts, if you're useless, you're stupid, uh, life would be, the world would be better if you weren't alive. Take your life. Does that match up to the scriptures? No, it does not. Where God says that he's loved you before the creation of this world. That God sees in you his son. That he's already seated you in heavenly places. You're amazing. If your thoughts agree with that, that's because that's what the Bible says. If your thoughts are, are all over the place, if they don't line up to the scriptures, friends, they're not right. They're not God's thoughts. And we can just dismiss those and say, Satan, get away from me. Don't talk to me like that. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to give you any time. And we realize that that's not the Holy Spirit speaking. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about, you can do this. Well, the Bible says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. So the Holy Spirit is always speaking truth to us based on the word of God. They'll always match. Amen? Thank you. I heard Laura, who was leading worships off to the side here. So thank you, Laura, for saying the amen. A couple times earlier, I've heard the camera guys saying amen as well. So that's good. Uh, the second thing that Paul talks about is to be pursuing, and when we're pursuing biblical truth, is the Bible is God's word. Friends, when you go to a court and they're having you give an oath to swear that you will tell the truth and only the truth, so help me, God. Yep. And it used to be that you would hold the Bible because everyone realized the Bible is the word of God. It is truth. And people are taking an oath. And if you're caught lying in court, there's extra, extra fines, extra jail time because you have sworn on the Bible. And friends, the Bible, we can stand on. We can place our life in the hands of the Bible. If the Bible says we can do it, we can do it. If the Bible says don't do it, we don't do it. The Bible is God's word. It is there to help us in every aspect of our life. It's there for us. It's truth. It's inspired by God. And so I want to encourage you, friends, read the Bible every day. Listen to the Bible every day. Um, three and a half chapters a day will get you through the Bible in a year. Last one. God's truth brings about your destiny. And we looked at those verses that God has a high calling for us. And friends, in these last days, in the days when our society is not going the way that, that it should be, 
God has a plan for every single one of us. God has, God has instructions for us. And as we read the scriptures, all of a sudden they become alive for us. And we go, okay, yes, I could do that. I, I hadn't seen that verse before. I hadn't seen that little phrase before. Oh my goodness, I can do this. I want to do this. And friends, I'm inspired not every single day, but most days. Uh, Sandra and I think you know this, but we have the scriptures read to us every morning uh, from um, uh, a professional narrator. Is that what you call it? A reader of the scriptures. We're listening to the scriptures rather than reading it ourselves. And sometimes we have the scriptures open while it's being read. And I've, I've just found that when someone else is reading the scriptures, I hear their intonations. I hear their emphasis on a word or a phrase that maybe I wouldn't have read it that way or said it that way. And it just sparks something in me. It sparks a conversation between Sandra and I. It's like, oh, did you just pick that up? Did you pick that up? What about this? And friends, this is why we read the scriptures, is to know about God, to know about how the Holy Spirit works with us, how Jesus, the anointed one, ministers to us and cares for us and loves us, and to know what is our response. How do we respond? And Paul's saying, friends, live by kingdom values. The values that Jesus taught, live by those things. They are eternal. They're from heaven. And if we're going to heaven, let's practice living like heaven right now. Let's get these values down so that when we get to heaven, it's not a catch-up. It's like, oh my goodness, everyone's, everyone's loving. I'm very selfish. No, no. Let's learn to love now. Let's learn to endure now. Let's learn patience now rather than to have a catch-up time when we get to heaven. And then the second big thing that he talks about is the Bible is our standard of truth. Amen? Well, friends, I want to just pray for those of you today that may be struggling in, in some of these areas that we've talked about. And intimidation for being a follower of Jesus is a big one. Uh, I have, I don't know, five, 6,000 Facebook friends between the two different pages I have. I have one page that's primarily for uh, personal friends, family, and for people who are part of Catch the Fire. And then my second page is for people that are, you know, I've seen them three, four times, I've been to their church around the world, or they just somehow found me and want to be a friend, and so it's a public page. And almost everything is on both pages. Uh, I don't post as many grandkids pages on my public uh, post as, uh, as my family page. But uh, as I have posted things on social media from time to time, Christian statements, trying to represent Jesus, trying to give a, a scriptural um, solution to challenges and the problems. Oh my goodness. Uh, am I going to get backlash? And the answer is absolutely, I'm going to get backlash. And I'm a little surprised sometimes of who that backlash is coming from. I'm surprised that the people who are disagreeing with me and somehow their truth is more important than God's truth. And I, it's, it's alarming to me. Well, in one sense, it shouldn't be alarming to me because that's what the Bible says in the last days. This is what life's going to be like. And I want to encourage you, friends, be bold for God. This is not the time to hide back and shy. Friends, I want to tell you an amazing story from a few years ago. Uh, you remember that there was a crisis in India a number of years ago, and some extremists came and they took over a synagogue and killed almost everyone that was there. They went into 
uh, a hotel, the Taj Mahal Hotel, and uh, murdered many, many people. And they went into a hospital and did the same. And hundreds of people passed away, died. And we were in India. I, Sandra and I arrived in India the day after the last of those um, terrorists were caught. Our son John was already there setting up because we were getting ready to do 10 uh, one-week schools all over India. And so my son John and Faustin from Catch Fire Mississauga were the coordinators. Sandra and I were already in Dubai getting ready to, to fly the last leg to, to be in India. And so that's happening. And I think on the second or the third day of our school, uh, the organizers for our school in, in Mumbai, which is where this was all taking place, they, um, they brought in a guy who was in the hospital when the terrorists came. And he shared this story that he's hiding when they realize that there's gunshots and that he's hiding with, it happens two other people. He doesn't know who these other two people are. And they're caught and they're brought out into a hall, uh, a hallway. And here's two guys with machine guns. And the first guy uh, was asked, are you Hindu? Yes. <laughs> Shot and killed right then. Second guy, are you Hindu? No, I'm Christian. Okay. Third guy, are you, are you Hindu? He goes, uh, Christian. Because <clears throat> he wasn't Christian. He was just saying that, thinking he's going to live. And only the Christian guy survived. And it would have been easy for him to, to say, I'm a different faith, to say the faith of the person who's holding the gun. And friends, this is the kind of life that we're getting to is that for you to identify as a follower of Jesus, I think is going to be harder. And I want to bless you to not be afraid, to trust the scriptures. If, if Daniel's three friends cannot bow down to an idol and for God to be in the middle of the fire, oh my goodness. And you remember what they said? Even if God doesn't look after us, we're not bow bowing down to an idol. Even if. But if he's there, oh my goodness, it's going to be amazing. And it was. I was tempted the other day, friends, this is a totally different topic, but there's a brand new uh, pizza restaurant in Toronto called The Fourth Man in the Fire. Uh, that's started by a Christian guy, started Burger Priest, which is amazing burgers. And now he started this pizza place. And he's inspired by Jesus being in the fire. Let's pray, friends. I'd like you to stand. And we're just going to be praying for boldness for you today. We're going to be praying for courage to follow after God, to follow after truth in Jesus' name. So, Father, we bless everyone who's watching right now. May this be our pledge to you. We are choosing to love you, God. We're choosing to be listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit encourages us to say something, to do something, to not do something, Father, we want to follow after the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus always listened to, always. The same Holy Spirit that inspired Paul and the other uh, church leaders to, to travel, to, to go on adventures for God. I want to encourage you that the Spirit of God wants to be your best friend. And friends, there's this amazing passage that Paul has at the end of one of the, the books. He writes this, a blessing. He says, may the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship 
of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. And when Paul's writing about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the friendship of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the Holy Spirit is our friend. And friends talk to each other. Friends help each other. They communicate to each other. And friends, in difficult times, we lean in on the Holy Spirit. We say to him, what do, I, what do we do? Where do we go? Holy Spirit, would you do that for us today? In Jesus' name. So Father, we bless you. We lean in on the Holy Spirit right now. Say, be our friend. Be our friend. Give us boldness. Give us courage. And then the second thing, friends, I want to bless you. I want to pray for you to be diligent to know the word of God. And that habits would begin where you love the scriptures and you read the scriptures or in my case, listen to the scriptures. I do read the scriptures as well, friends. And may the Bible become God's word for you and me. May we be inspired by the word of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Friends, be seated at your home. In just a moment, I'm going to tell you about how you can get follow-up prayer right now for those of you that are watching live. But I just wanted to give a little testimony today. Uh, in just a moment on the screen is going to be how you can give and how you can um, minister to catch the fire in our church family through your finances. But I've been trying the last few weeks just talk about why do we give. And friends, one of the reasons why we give is to make a statement to God and to other people that the principles of the word of God about finances are truth and our life. And when we, when we honor the Lord and we return our tithe and when we listen to the spirit of God, God has rewards in place for us. Many, many places it talks about that in the scriptures. So friends, I wanna tell you an income tax story from two weeks ago. So two Sundays ago, Sandra and I went to see our tax accountant and we'd already been in, uh, given all our papers, given all our T4s and all those different kind of things, our charitable giving. And so now we're having a follow-up, some questions. And so this is two Sundays ago. And it's, um, you know, we're there for an hour and a half just answering all her questions, uh, helping to make sure that everything's right. She, after she punches in all the numbers, she goes, uh, uh, here's what I think that your income tax total is going to be. I still have a few more things to crunch, but I think you're going to get this. And between Sandra and I, because she's working on both of them at the same time, this is the highest refund we have ever had in our lives. And it's like, oh my goodness. And we're going, yeah, thank you very much. So we thank her, we leave. She's asked us for a few more forms, which we turn in. One of them was a medical expense, about $800. Another one that I'd forgotten was my, uh, the extra charitable giving that I'd had for the past couple of years that I'd given more than I was able to claim. And so I'd forgotten to give her that. So we gave her those numbers as well during the week. Wednesday, we're going to go back into the office. She's going to hit press, or not hit press, but hit send. And uh, the taxes are going to be filed in Ottawa. And we're going to be in line in two weeks for our refund. So we're excited about that. So that's seven o'clock Wednesday night. Two o'clock Wednesday afternoon, I'm with the board of directors for Catch the Fire Mississauga. And one of the things that we're talking about is a new project, a new opportunity that the school of ministry here, our, from our school of ministry, from our church, is partnering with Catch the Fire Mississauga to start a hub in Africa. 
And Faustin, the pastor of Mississauga, is saying for $350 a month, we can hire a school teacher who's been uh, helping catch the fire ministries for many, many years. Uh, we can match his salary and he'll be full-time as the leader of that hub. And for another $350, we can uh, rent this, this house that can be used as a dormitory and a center for our school of ministry. And so for 700 a month, we can do this, but it's not in the budget. <coughs> and as we're talking about different ways that we can raise the finances, I hear the Holy Spirit tell me this, Steve, in about 10 days, you're gonna be getting your tax return. Why don't you give your tithe to this project in advance as a way to say thank you to the Lord for his generosity and giving you the highest income tax return you've ever had. And so I'm thinking, perfect. And I talked to Faustin and said, Faustin, how do, which account do I press? Because they've got push pay as well. Which one do I do? Anyways, do that. Send it off. I'm feeling really good because I've heard the Holy Spirit say to be a giver and I've done it immediately. Remember, that's one of the principles in the scriptures. We do what the Lord says when he says it. Anyways. That's two o'clock, probably 2.30. Seven o'clock, Sandra and I go back in to see the, the, uh, our tax accountant. And she says, guys, I don't know how to say this, but uh, you're getting back an extra 50% on top of what I planned. And it's like, oh my goodness. And I, I instantly, I hear the Holy Spirit go, that's because you gave when I told you to gave. And friends, I got to tell her the story. She, she's a follower of Jesus. I got to tell her the story of what I had done that afternoon. I conveniently said it loud enough that the other two ladies doing the taxes for other people that they all heard as well. <laughs> I was showing off about how amazing God is when he asked us to be a giver, to be a giver. So friends, wanted to inspire you today. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.